Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hello! Hey, Ted, and Sally, and and Michael, and and Trina, and and Aaron, male or female. I don't know, I'm just naming names, and then if one of them is your name, it is my hope that you're driving, or you know, any treadmill you do, and you like your spreadsheets or whatever, and you're like, oh, she said hi to me. I'm just picking names off the top of my head without even thinking, because, you know, I got time on my hands, so I can like do fun things like that. Uh, welcome to the voices in our heads. Uh, congratulations on not killing yourself. I'm really proud of you. Life's tough. And you're here and I'm here and I love it. I have t- two questions that I wanted to pose to the group. I'm going to do, you know what, I'm going to do it at the end of the podcast after I do the fifth pillar of self-esteem, y'all. Is it the fifth or the sixth one? It's the fucking fifth. I was right. Man, someone spent a weekend in the woods and refreshed. Yeah, I'm going to do it at the end because I don't want you to like, email me and then not listen to the rest of the episode uh, i'm looking to hire a person for something at the end and then i'm also um but it's art related costume related and then um i have a thing about a rooftop all right i i'll just i'll just ask you at the end of the episode so that that's a good time for you to like stop doing your spreadsheets and like fucking email me <sighs> like i said i was in the woods in the weekend well the hamptons but we were in a house in the woods and uh I hadn't watched the news. I was just hanging out with my girlfriends, two of my very close friends that I've known since 2007, y'all. And we've been through a lot. We've been through changes, and we're all badass women. And it was really fun. It was really wonderful. One of the things that was wonderful about it, I didn't look at the news. Partially because I didn't have cell service. Yeah, you would think, you know, I've been to the Hamptons a couple times, but not because I'm rich. I go and hang out with, uh, with rich people, and I'm like, what's it like? to have $100 bills as toilet paper. And they're like, I don't know. You can go to my bathroom and take a shit and find out. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you so much. I won't look at you in the eye. Don't worry. And, you know, that's my idea of the Hamptons. A lot of rich people. No cell service. Zero cell service. Which, you know, you think, okay, cool. You know, I want to go there to relax anyway. But when you order an Uber, because when you want to get drunk or stoned, you want to drink at dinner, so you order an Uber because you don't drink and drive. Because if you do, you're a piece of the shit. I did it once in Atlanta. I'll never forget it. It was terrible. Um, no, yeah, I guess you would think because there's so many rich people there that they put a cell tower up, but nah, which I kind of like. So because I didn't have service, I wasn't looking at the news. And then I got home. I'm recording this two days in advance. <gasps> yes, you're welcome. I'm on top of my shit just this week. Watch next week. I'll be like, this is coming out. I'm recording Mon- Wednesday morning. Sorry, Mike. But I had it in me to record early today. I was inspired. So I did it. But when I got back from this trip with my girls, with my fucking girls, um, I looked at the news. And I saw like California wildfires are reaching historic scale. I was like, cool, yeah, let's just add more stuff to the pile of shit, <laughs> okay? And then I read that Louisiana's bracing for Hurricane Marco, which will be followed by a much stronger storm, Hurricane Laura. I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's what Louisiana needs. That's what they need, you know, to shelter in place. Because COVID and stuff, 
but then now they're getting hit with two hurricanes. Cool. Yeah, let's add more shit. Let's add more shit. Fuck it, you know? Guys, remember when we thought 2016 sucked? <laughs> That's hilarious. I have a pin on my bulletin board and it's a dumpster on fire and in the dumpster it says 2016. And I looked at it the other day. I'm like, oh, boo, boo. That's cute. That's so cute that you thought that was a hard year. That's so cute. Wait, was I still with my ex? Yeah, wait, what's... Yeah, oh, God, yeah. That was four years ago. Oh, my God. I just was like floating above my body thinking 2016 suck dicks. And here I am now in 2020. And on paper, sucks more dicks. But I'm having a better time. God, I love sucking dick. But not yours, Brad. Guys, if you're in the United States and you're over the age of 18, go to USA.gov to see what steps you could take to vote early. And where your ballot drop-off boxes are because some assholes declaring a war on the USPS. Right after I got my P.O. box, so like maybe he's stalking me that's i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm in a really silly mood and i'm just kidding i'm just joshing but if you're over the age of 18 and you live in the united states of america and you don't vote in november i'm gonna come to your home say it with me and i'm gonna punch you in the taint i'm gonna punch you in the taint i'm gonna punch you in the taint if you don't vote okay Okay, let's just fucking make it to a election, the election, please. And then drop your vote, drop your, drop your ballot off. And support the USPS. And write me a letter. Christina Hutchinson, P.O. Box 1926, New York, New York, 10156. I haven't checked my P.O. Box. It's today's Sunday that I'm recording because I don't know if you remember, but I'm kicking ass this weekend doing shit early. Feels so good. This procrastinator is over the moon, y'all. Um, but it, I, I left. I'll get more. I'll talk more about the Hampton trip in a second. But um, I left early on Thursday morning, and I just came back this afternoon. So that was three whole days that I didn't check my PO box. I'm like, oh my god, I'm waking up early tomorrow to check it. I'm realizing my therapist always reminds me that I'm very resourceful. When I was young, I figured out how to get the love I need. When I cried about weighing 72 pounds or whatever the fuck in fourth grade so my teacher, Mrs. Mifflin, would love me. I thought it was just some bullshit reason I made up to feel fat. But no, I needed love from an adult woman. Very resourceful. And I'm getting the love that I need and the human communication that I need in your letters. And I'm replying to your letters and I'm so happy. I got, I'm doing my first round of responses is dinosaur stamps. So if you wrote me and you get a reply back, and there's a dinosaur stamp. You're in my first round of replies. Hey, guys. Ugh, you know what time it is? It's time for some fuckboy theater, okay? Let's well, just gonna do one and done because I don't want to wallow in this shit pool for too long. This is a short one. This girl DM'd me and she said, a very original Fuckboy Friday mansplain edition. For context on my Hinge profile, I have as my fun fact that Nemo is gender non-binary. Clownfish are hermaphrodites. That's exactly what it says in her Hinge thing. A fun fact. It says Nemo is gender non-binary. Clownfish are hermaphrodites. And then this bitch, this dude, 
dudes can be bitches too. Fuck you. This bitch. This is what he writes her. Hey, I hate to break it to you, but your fact about Nebo is actually, is it correct? But you aren't too far off. Oh, thank God. You are right that cloudfish are hermaphroditic, but they couldn't really be considered non-binary because they aren't simultaneously hermaphroditic. Instead, they have proto-androgynous hermaphrodism, which means that they are all born male, so Nemo would be male. And then the most mature transitions to become female. And if they are killed, the next one replaces them, so really Marlin would have been female. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for, for that. Thank you. I studied, I got a BFA in acting and I worked real hard on it. And I feel like I did bring that to the character. I feel like it goes really much to the character. Yeah, guys. Can we not get picky with the hinge prompts, please? Can we not get picky? Can you just shut the, I mean, come on. It really does taint me and my soul that I only see the worst of people's dating app conversations by what you guys send me. And I, and I have to remind myself pretty much every day that like men are, there are like really great men and I'm really close friends with a lot of them that are straight and fuck women and they don't, they're not like that. So I just have to keep reminding myself before I jump out my window, y'all, I live on the first floor. Don't worry. And there's guardrails even though I don't have any kids. Every year, I've lived in this apartment for 10 years, guys. Lived in the same apartment for 10 years. Every year, they go, hey, did you have any kids? You want us to put, you want us to figure out a new thing for your windows? No, I'm still alone. Thank you. Thank you. No, I'm alone. I'll check that box. Thank you. And it's really fun, okay? So, fuck you. Yeah, so I went to the Hamptons. God, I'm feeling so wacky. I like it. I like it a lot. I went to the Hamptons, my, my, my gals and I, my two of my closest friends, oh, I love them so much. We've known each other since college, since the days of, God, we, we, we reminisced on so many stories this weekend about how we were trying to use fake IDs to get into clubs. And I, was, I remember this one time that I used my friend Daria's fake ID, or her, no, it's her expired ID. And it had a hole punched in it. But like, when I was 19, we would go into Club Marquee with a club promoter and the club promoter would say, show the guy your ID. I know you're 19. You're not 21. He's going to look at it. And he's just going to pretend you're 21 and say, thank you. And I was like, okay. So then, but then when you turn 20, I guess you're an old hag. And your old, dried, washed up pussy ain't no good at Club Marquee. Because they don't do that when you're 20. But when you're 19, come right this way, ma'am. Can I get you anything? Do you want me to put your coat away? Do you want a spritz of perfume? No, I'm okay. Thank you. I'm 20 years old. Here's my friend's expired ID. Oh, dried up whore. No, but there was one time I used my friend's ID. It was expired. And um, to the club that we had been going to for two years at that point with my girls and my one friend that I was hanging out with this weekend. I think that was the night she made out with Chad Kroger from Nickelback. That's real cool. I'll never forget it. It was the year he was voted America's Ugliest Man by People Magazine. Yes, American culture, very supportive, very uplifting. Chad Kroger, this blind man. Is that Nickelback? Look at this photograph. <laughs> you know, people shit on Nickelback. Whatever, motherfucker. They sell out arenas all the goddamn time, so they're connecting with somebody. 
Anyways. Yeah, the la- I, I was recalling this story about showing my friend's expired ID when I was 20 at Club Marquee, and the guy was like, nope. And I was like, oh, okay. And Club Marquee is in the meatpacking district. And my dorm was, no, I and I lived on the Upper East Side at that point. I lived on 96th Street. And I felt so bad for myself that I just walked home alone. All my girlfriends were like, oh, shit. Um, we'll see you later. I'm like, yeah, you guys. No, no, I, I remember this. I was like, oh, you guys can go without me, which they were going to do anyway. I just wanted it to feel like it was somewhat my choice because we all got ready and we drank and we put on our least stained Forever 21 dresses and we put on our fucking makeup. So like there's no way I was expecting my friends not to go in because I couldn't go in. But I was like, hey, all right, you guys can go without me. She's like, they're like, are you sure? Okay, bye. <laughs> Which I would have done the exact same fucking thing. And then I felt bad for myself and I walked home 80, 82 blocks. <sighs> Got shin splints that night. But my one friend, we, so we made, we had this weekend in the Hamptons planned. I think we planned it in March or something because we were like, all right, we're, we're, this quarantine thing, I have a feeling it's going to be kind of permanent for a little bit. So let's plan a getaway. And so we we had been to the Hamptons before a couple of years earlier. And we stayed at this Airbnb and the woman who owned it, her name was Chandra. And she had a swing in her house. Not a sex swing. It was so much worse. Sex swings are great. If she had a sex swing, I'd have been like, fuck yeah, Chandra. She had a wicker swing that you weren't allowed to sit in. I'm like, what? how are you dangling this fucking wicker ass swing from the ceiling that bolt looks thick as hell. It could hold one of us. I'm not going to be a dick and get wasted and, you know, hop on it when another friend is on it. But come on, Chandra, live a little. You have a swing hanging from your ceiling. Let me use it. We did use it. Um, and it didn't fall out. So Chandra's a little <laughs> uptight. But uh, yeah, so that was the last time we were in the Hamptons. And then this time it was just me and my two girlfriends because my other girlfriend couldn't come. And we planned to meet at 9 a.m. She was one, one friend was going to pick me up at 9 a.m. But I didn't see this text message because I was trying to get all the I was trying to squeeze so much in. Like getting all these to do list things done before I go, because in my head, I was like, if I get 8000 things done, then that means I deserve to relax. That's really what was happening. That's what those were the voices in my head. So I was really stressing myself out. So I missed the text where my one friend said, I'm going to pick you up at eight. And I texted her separately because that was a group text. Hey, can you pick me up at nine? 15 because I got to go buy weed in the morning true story um she picked me up at 9 15 because I thought we were still saying nine and you know she's like cool yeah and uh, apparently on the group text someone had said 8 a.m so I set my goddamn alarm for 8 10 a.m okay because you know I was packed the night before because is your girl good at packing in the morning or doing anything that requires thinking <laughs> nope no I'm not but I missed the text that said 8 a.m. And then I heard a buzzing at my apartment door at 8 on the dot. And I was like, mm, it's probably FedEx or some shit. So I got up real quick and I, and I, and I buzzed him in because I was like, I probably ordered a bunch of shit. And even if I didn't, I'm going to be nice and let them in for somebody else's package because I'm about to go on vacation and I'm about to get 30 more minutes of sleep. And then I got a text from my friend and she was like, hey, I'm here. Can you let me inside your door? Like I'm in your building. Can you? And I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? You're here right now. Oh, fuck. But I was so excited to go on vacation and Kevin makes me so happy in the mornings that I wasn't as cranky as I normally would have been. Because let me tell you, you girl don't like waking up a minute early than I have to. 
but it felt so good to wake up early, even though it was an hour earlier than I expected. It was so nice to get away, but we get this Airbnb and I love, I love getting an Airbnb because you see the pictures and then you create a version of it in your head. You know, you put it up on a pedestal like you do all the men you've ever dated and you make it a little better than it is because you kind of forget the pictures that you don't really want to look because you don't want to know that you were wrong about how magical this Airbnb you're about to stay in is. You just want to believe it's the most magical princess castle there ever was, you know. And, uh, and there was like a pool in the backyard with a slide. That, I remember that from the picture. So we get to the Airbnb and uh, there's a bunch of cars there. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was just so excited to get to this Airbnb with my two girlfriends and like, see who gets what room? And like, I don't know, like let's, I love being in other people's homes. It's really, I just, it's nice. I just like it, but not when they're there. You know what I mean? Like go away so I can look through all your things, like respectfully. Just look at what you got going on in your house. What magazines you got on the coffee table, if any. But there was cars there. And then there's the owners of this Airbnb were there. Or owners, I don't know. But this is what this is what we pulled up to. A man, I don't know, maybe in his late 50s. A, a woman of a similar age. But she looked like if Cruella DeVille was an actual person. The cartoon Cruella DeVille from the old Disney movie. How she had those sunken in eyes and the cheekbones. It wasn't that this woman was evil. It just she looked exactly like the cartoon Cruella DeVille. Very thin. Kind of looked methed up. But that's just a first appearance. I have no idea. I'm just saying that's how she looked at first appearance. I don't mean to be insulting. God, I'm always fucking so paranoid that everybody that I talk about is just going to listen to this. The episode that I talk about them. And I don't even fucking know them. I don't mean any disrespect. But that's what I thought when I first saw that woman's face. And then they were like, oh, we have to add a screen door to the house. Can you come back? And we're like, what? No. And then there was an old man there. When I say old, I mean like, I don't know, 75. So yeah, old. Fuck you. Who cares? And he was wearing suspenders that had weed leaves on them. And I was like, all right, I fucks, I fucks with you. But we got there. We were so excited. And we we're like, ah, oh, hi. Why are there still people here? And they're like, we got to put a screen door on. And then we have to do all this stuff. And we have to mop the deck. And, then we, and we're like, can we just can we just go in like we don't need a screen door if there's a front door on the place cool he's like well i really want to put in the screen door okay i guess we'll come back where did we go we had to kill time for like 10 minutes maybe we went to get coffee i don't know we went to get something we came back they're still there we're like okay we're just gonna come in and don't worry about it just don't you don't have to put a screen door in and then they left and then we realized the the the, the back porch that they were saying they had to like clean down and mop we're like how fucking filthy can it be it was as if a dumpster threw up on it and i was like what the fuck or like a swamp so we're like oh maybe you can come back and clean this but what but we were like okay whatever and we get in there and the, the property was it was like you know bobby boucher from Waterboy, and his mom is played by um kathy um oh my god jesus christ christina you couldn't have looked this up Waterboy IMDb. Waterboy. His mom, basically, no, fuck it. His mom, Bobby Boucher, Adam Sandler's mom in Waterboy. She lives in this like swamp house in the woods. That's what this house kind of seemed like. Like it was white trash shit, but which, but I'm very familiar with that. So I was like, okay, this is kind of my comfort level, but not what I expected to pay for. So we spend the first couple hours there um, lounging by the pool. And the place is not clean. It wasn't really clean. 
But I was like, you know what? I want this to be a great weekend. So I'm just going to pretend it's clean in my head. I'm just going to say it was clean. And then we're we're lounging by the pool. And then Kevin, I notice, is like licking something. I'm like, what the fuck? It was a dead baby rabbit, y'all. And I was like, oh, fuck that shit. So my friend done texted the owner of this Airbnb and was like, there's dead animals in the yard. Because don't you worry. I, I picked Kevin up and took him to another part of the yard. And then he licked a dead baby rabbit on that part of the yard. And I was like, well, goddamn. Can someone pick up the dead baby rabbits that were sprinkled throughout the property? And I was like, oh, fuck. Is this some weird murder shit and this is the end of our lives? I really did think that. But then I was like, you know, and Christina, your anxiety, your imagination's all over the place. I'm just going to pretend that that's not what's going to happen, even though I'm scared that it is going to happen. The Hamptons is mad haunted, yo. The Hamptons is mad haunted. My ex-boyfriend, who does not believe in ghosts, he does not believe in ghosts. He was doing a video project in the Hamptons and the company hi- that hired him put him up at this old, shittier motel. Sh- when I say shittier, I mean like you think of, a oh, this re- company's paying me a lot of money and they have a lot of money. They'll put me up at someplace nice, but it was like a motel. But no offense to this motel. It was, it was owned by this Native American guy. It was just, you know, it was, there's a lot of Native American land in the Hamptons that, you know, got, you know, they got kicked out by the whiteies. Even though they were there fucking first. So let's name all the towns after their tribes and their culture and then just kick them out. But anyway, my ex stayed at this uh, motel and he called me one of the nights and was like, Christina, there's a ghost in my room. And this motherfucker did not believe in ghosts. And I felt I heard the fear in his voice. And I was like, oh, oh, there's a goddamn ghost where you is. And he was telling me that he felt when he, he turned the lights off and went to go to sleep, he, it got really cold. He felt something pushed down on the bed that was like human weight. And then he felt like blowing in his ear. And I was like, well, fucking, ha- I'm hanging up. I don't want the ghost to come through the phone and then haunt me, you bitch. I'm such a supportive partner. But anyway, while, while these, this Corel DeVille guy and this other girl and this other guy were picking up the dead baby rabbit scattered throughout the lawn, I was like, oh shit, am I gonna, is there gonna be a ghost later? But there wasn't. I had so much fun. We, the one thing we did that I can't stop, I gotta say, I'm showing personal improvement in my life this is how I gauge this we took a dance body class my friend Steph um we both have that we both work with my trainer Talia hit her up what's her Instagram handle let me well no I'll tell it to you later no I'll tell it to you now because I'm gonna forget but hit her up just look up who I follow and look up Talia she'll be there um I'm so good at promoting my friends anyway um she signed us up for this dance class and we made all before this trip we made a bunch of dinner reservations because it's covid and stuff and the hamptons gets crowded man there's a lot of fields and shit but there's a lot of people and a lot of cars so we made all these dinner reservations we made reservations at a winery and i don't do shit like this you know i'm not like a fancy girl (laughs) i'm not one of those fancy girls I'm a white trash motherfucker, okay? So I was very excited that my friends uh, took the initiative and said, hey, let's make dinner reservations. Let's make the winery. And I was like, yeah, fucking yeah, let's do it. I was so excited. And one of the things that my friend had suggested is, oh, I take, I have this app that I downloaded and I do these um, high intensity dance workouts. Do you want to take a class with one of the instructors? They have like a house in the Hamptons with all these trainers and they could, either train you virtually over the phone or we can go to their house. And I was like, yeah, you know, I was just going throughout my day. It was like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's work out. So the day comes where we have to take this class, y'all. And um, 
boy, I got tired. I got tired at the end. I got tired. I quit like eight times during this class, but my spirit didn't quit. My body quit. Spirit stayed in there because I was inspired by Kevin's attitude with his cone. Kevin been walking around with that cone for eight whole days and he was not getting frustrated at himself that he could not sniff his own butt, lick his own balls, even sniff the sidewalk because the cone reached past his head. And he didn't let that kill his spirit. And I was inspired by that. So I was like, I'm not going to let my inability to function during this dance body class outside in the sweltering heat kill my spirit either. But let me tell you, guys, I ain't shit, okay? I was struggling real hard with this dance body class. My one friend is a yoga instructor. And my other friend is a, is a, is a, she does money stuff. She's explained to me her actual job so many times in the 10 years I've known her. Do I know what it is? No, it's money. It's smart people, money things. But I made two mistakes before this outdoor dance class that was on a tennis court in the sweltering heat. Mistake number one, took a few hits of a very strong blunt in the morning. Because I was like, it's vacation. I don't usually smoke weed during the day, but it's vacation. We're staying at Bobby Boucher's mom's house and I want to kind of forget about how dirty it is under my bed. I'm going to smoke a J. It's so nice out on my vacation. So I smoked a blunt. And then I woke up an hour or two after my two friends because they're normal people and they get up at like, you know, normal people hours. My one friend gets up at like fucking 7 a.m. I'm like, God damn, respect, respect. So they got up earlier than me, but I, I set my alarm at, for a decent hour for me, you know, because I didn't want to like, you know, sleep all day. Anyway, the morning of this class, that was like at 11, set my alarm for 10, okay? By the time I get up, my friends are already back. They made all these trips and they came back. They did yoga and they, then they went to get coffee and donuts and came back. So I made, I, I smoked two hits of this very strong blunt before this class. And then I donate three donuts. And then we went in the 90 degree heat to a house in the Hamptons. Very cute house. Oh my God. And this cute girl who was maybe like 25, she was the instructor. She's like, hey, girls, I'm so excited you can make it. She wasn't annoying. She was like peppy, but not annoying. And she was fit as fuck. So I was like, oh, we're about to get ripped, y'all. And I was high, but I had donuts. And we were like, hey. And then we go on this tennis court, this private tennis court that's surrounded by woods. You kind of go a little bit off a path off of this house's backyard. And there's just this tennis court surrounded by woods. And when we get there, before the instructor gets all her shit set up, uh, we see a buck in the woods, a big male deer with these big antlers. And I was just staring at it because I was high, y'all. And I was like, whoa, what a majestical creature. It's like a, it's like a forest horse. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a reindeer, but it's a, de it's a male deer. And I was just staring at this buck and he was kind of walking by very slowly. And then he walked away and then we started the class and I'm saying it was sweltering hot. It was about 11 a.m. The sun was beating down on us to the point where my forehead was pulsing and your girl couldn't dunk it heat heat migraines so i was like oh this ain't gonna be good but i don't want to look like a quitter in front of my friends so i'm gonna try my best and we did an hour of dancing but not like darren's dance grooves let me teach this fucking you know 43 year old who hasn't been jogging since she was 17 how to dance. You know what I mean? Like, it, I thought I thought it was going to be like a take it slow. Because one thing that I'm not good at is is dance. It's choreograph. I'm, I'm bad at choreograph movements. And when I say I'm bad at it, my brain is just like, it takes me a long time to get it. But I take that as a fun challenge. Because I'm like, look, I'm not a dancer. I can't get mad. At, I'm like, Christina, you can't get mad at yourself if you don't do all the dance moves right, okay? 
but I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do my best. But I was stoned, and I done ate three donuts, and they was in my stomach, and that heat was just going bum, 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 bum. Fuck you, Christina. Bum, bum. And the deer in the back was making fun of me. I just knew it. So we start this class, and right off the bat, it is so intense. And she only does, she, she'll do like these dance moves, and she doesn't give you a heads up. She's like, and left foot. And then with her left foot, she like draws the alphabet. I'm like, what the fuck? And she does like three of the things she says, like three of the moves. This is, uh, is this riveting podcasting? Good. Um, and, and then by the time I get what the actual dance move is, she moves on to another move. And I'm like, all right, Christina, don't get frustrated, girl. And I was looking, I was, we were, we were in like a diamond formation, taking up the entire tennis court. The instructor was the front of the diamond. My two girlfriends were on the left and the right. And then I was at the back of the diamond so that I could see everybody, but they couldn't see me. Um, because I started laughing because I was, I, I don't know why. When I smoke weed during the day, which is rare, I get way higher than normal. And then when I work out on top of that, I get even higher. It's wild. And I kept wondering what the deer was thinking of us. I just kept thinking, I'm like, what does that deer think? Because I looked and he was still there kind of looking at us like, the fuck? And we're like, you know, she has got, she's like this 26-year-old hot fit chick. And she, the top of the class, she goes, guys, my stamina is kind of like out of control because I've been teaching these classes outdoors all summer. So like, please let me know if you need to slow down. And we're like, no, we're going to be fine. But I, that's why I said out loud. But in my head, I'm like, well, they're going to be fine. I'm going to be struggling in the back. And I was. And I was. And and I kept looking behind me and there's the deer lurking and I started cracking up. I started laughing so hard that I was like crying, but I didn't want to be disrespectful to this lovely young fit lady who was teaching us this class. So I was like, I got to look somewhere else. And so I pretended to go. I had to go to the car. What did I, I did have to get something. Oh, I had to get a bot, my second bottle of water because I drank my first one in the first two seconds of the routine. The first two seconds of an hour-long dance workout. And we're like humping the air at a wet-ass pussy in the middle of the woods on a tennis court. My two girlfriends looking fit as fuck, barely breaking a sweat, and I'm in the back bloated with a donut baby, farting and laughing. I mean, so that was my weekend. It was really fun. It was really fun. Um... It was really fun. It was really fun, guys. Um, so I want let's I want to do some a couple announcements for Babes on Blades, okay? In case I have not um, said these things on the podcast before, because again, get messages and photos of your injuries, and I don't want that. Wear a fucking helmet, guys. If you're new to rollerblading or roller skating or wheels of any kind, wear please wear a helmet, please, please. And one thing I should mention because I'm like, yeah, I like fucking sprint on my rollerblades, and I do like you know put my foot in the air and I smoke weed. I have the kind of rollerblades where there's a break on the right one. On the back of the right rollerblade, there is a, a break. So if I lean my heel back, my right heel back, I it, there's a break. And I know that there's these pro rollerblades with larger wheels. There's four wheels instead of five, and they don't have brakes. I g- was sent a pair of those. I tried them on, and I was like, <laughs> nope. Because the, to me, at, with my personal comfort level... That is going to take a while. I got I to gotta practice with those in my apartment for a long time before I dare feel comfortable practicing outside in a fenced-in area of like two feet. You know what I'm saying? 
So I take things very slow. Again, can't repeat this enough. Respect your own pace. But I have the rollerblades with the brake on the back. So I'm not like some, I'm not chick Tony Hawk, okay? So I feel like some of you guys are sending me pictures of your injuries like, like I'm like I'm chick Tony Hawk and I wouldn't injure myself if I also had the fucking fancy fast rollerblades with no brakes on them. Guys, get the ones with the brakes, okay? Wear your knee pads. Wear your wrist pads. Don't not wear pads and a helmet because you're afraid of looking like a loser, okay? Safety is not for losers. Safety is for winners, okay? And also, I do not blade on the streets or the sidewalks. I, I rollerblade on dedicated, separate, smooth, concrete paths. That's another very important thing. Because a lot of times, these fucking streets, they got potholes, okay? And they're not fucking fixing the potholes. You can't rollerblade on, on, a, on a street like that. It's too gravelly. It hurts my feet. Oh, my God. But I was rollerblading today. And this, I saw so many men without shirts on working out. And I would, like, I love a man's back. Oh, my God. A muscly back. Not too muscular, but just muscular enough. Boy, oh, boy. The back of a, of a man. My loins are back in town, y'all. Because I had to stop rollerblading. And I just stared at the guy. He was far away, so you couldn't really tell what I was staring at. And I put my phone kind of in front of me. So it's like, maybe someone don't think I'm looking at my phone. I was just drooling over this half-naked man, y'all. And I did that not once, not twice, thrice. Three hot pieces, three juicy hot pieces of back, of male back. And I was just like, God damn. My loins are back. I have not been like overcome by an attraction to the male figure in a very long time and it's not for not trying and I'm just like I guess my loins are on a break well they're back okay all right we're gonna go we're going to dive into the fifth pillar of self-esteem according to our boy Nathaniel Brandon okay I'm really excited about this one this is an energizing pillar for me I fucking love this one because this is something that I've been implementing you guys having fun this is a, a, a a thing I've been implementing most of my life. And it's something you can be in control over, which is so fun. God, I love stuff I could be in control over. Um, and I know that you guys, like people are very resistant to change. I, I am too. Everybody is. And I was thinking about that with political conversations. And, you know, anytime there's a movement of any kind for social justice of any kind, racial, uh, gender, sexual, anything, Anytime any group is like, hey, can we be treated well? You're gonna have people without fail go, no, you greedy sack of shit. It's just, it's, and, and, and so don't waste time being like, how could they not want rights for people that are blonde in the right eye or whatever the group is, okay? Just know that there will always be people resistant to change. I mean, think of how pissed off you get when you have to update the software on your iPhone and everything's fucking mixed around. Let me tell you something. I am a millennial. I was resistant. I was very resistant to every single change that Apple made on the iPhone. When they took away the home button, I was like, get out of town. What am I supposed to do now? I need the home screen button. And I love it so much more that I don't have it. But boy, I was resistant to change. When they did the tinier power cords, I was like, go fuck yourself, Steve Jobs. Or Tim, Tim, whatever. The Tim guy. 
I was so pissed. Why? It's a tinier power cord. You know what I mean? Why was I so angry? I just, our brains don't like change. That's, and that's okay. It's okay to be resistant to change. And when you're, if you are a, in, a, in a minority group of any kind and you're fighting for rights, there will be people that are resistant to change. And in that case, change means you getting rights that you fucking deserve and the respect that you deserve. There will always be people that are resistant. God, when the new software updates and then all the icons are different fonts and the and the, the icons on your home screen are like different colors and fonts, I'm like, jump off a cliff, you sadistic fucks at Apple. What are you trying to do, confuse me? I was finally getting the hang of it. But be more comfortable with change, guys. This is just a note to everybody. No matter who you are, where you live, what's up your butt, be, be open to change. Take note of when change makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable all the time. The stupidest shit makes me uncomfortable. Like the fucking smaller iPhone cord. I'm like, they can't change that. That's scary and not what I've known. Well, you know. All right, let's get into the fifth pillar of self-esteem, guys. The practice of living purposefully. I'm talking about living with a purpose. Okay, I'm talking about living with a purpose. This, this pillar of self-esteem, it energizes me, man. It energizes me. So at the beginning, um, the author Nathaniel Brandon tells a story about his friend who was in his 60s who met a woman. The, his friend is a brilliant business speaker. He gets hired to do all of these, you know, huge company huge tech companies he, he speaks at these companies and kind of you know gets everyone excited to do their best basically and he met a woman that he had been romantic with decades prior they met in their 60s and they fell passionately in love and this guy goes up to nathaniel brandon and is like oh my god i hope i don't fuck it up i've been divorced twice and nathaniel brandon was like now how would you feel i'm just paraphrasing now how would you feel if you were at an a, a, an apple conference and Apple was like, God, I hope we figure out this marketing right for this product. You'd be like, get the fuck out of town. The point that he's trying to make here that I so beautifully summarized is, is that people think of putting, living purposefully. It's easy to think about that with your career, but for some reason people don't apply these, these principles to, their, to other situations in their lives. Friend, friendships, family. What do you want out of life that's not a career goal? Career is a great thing. I, I love it. I love my career. It's part of who I am. It's the dream career. It's going better than I thought. And I had real high expectations. But then I sit here and bitch that I haven't been touched by a man sexually since January. And then I go, are you even trying? And then I go, no. And then I go, stop complaining. And then I'm like, yeah, you're right. So you can apply these principles not just to career. We speak about the career because that hurts the least. <laughs> that doesn't trigger us as much. Okay, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Anyway, the practice of living purposefully. Let's get into it, guys. Let's read. All right, to live without purpose is to live at the mercy of chance. The chance event, the chance phone call, the chance encounter, because we have no standard by which to judge what is or is not worth doing. <sighs> Ain't that the goddamn truth? Is anybody having a good time? Okay. Outside forces bounce us along like a cork floating on the water. I love that visual with no initiative of our own to set a specific course. Our orientation to life is reactive rather than proactive. We're drifters. We're just drifting along in the ocean in a little tubey float. When we could be having flippers and scuba gear and figuring out, picking our direction, y'all. To live purposefully, 
is to use our powers for the attainment of our goals we have selected. The goal of studying, of raising a family, of earning a living, of starting a new business, of bringing a new product into the marketplace, of solving a scientific problem, of building a vacation home, of sustaining a happy romantic relationship. All right, fine. It is our goals that lead us forward, that call on the exercise of our faculties, that energize our existence. Oh, I love that. Productivity and purpose. To live purposefully is, among other things, to live productively, which is a necessity of making ourselves competent to life. Productivity is the act of supporting our existence by translating our thoughts into reality, of setting our goals and working for their achievement. Because you can't just sit and go, I wish on a my, I wish on a star. Are you there, God? It's me, Christine Marie Hutchinson. And I wish that one day I could uh, afford to shop in the non-sales. I could just afford to shop at all at Anthropology. That was one of my goals. <laughs> because that goal, and that was a goal that I set when I was like 19 years old. And that goal for me specifically meant other things than just the notion of buying an item at an anthropology store. It meant I was doing well. It meant I had enough, had enough money to buy something at that expensive-ass store. And it meant that my home could be more reflective of what I wanted it to look like and feel like. Like, it meant a lot of things to me. So I picked that goal because it kind of it was an umbrella. Like, a lot. If so if I focused on that, you know? And then a couple years later, well, seven, uh... Your girl did it. I earned a living so I could shop at Anthropology, And then I learned that they had racist codes for when black customers came in. So I'm not interested in, in supporting them, y'all. So shop somewhere else. Go to Etsy, okay? Um, not that a company can't change and learn, but the, I, I, I Googled, yo, you wish you knew an apology for that? Nope. I hadn't seen one yet. So I don't feel like giving them my support. But that was a, that was a specific goal that I had. Um, and so living purposefully is, okay, this is my goal, but you actually have to do stuff to get to the goal. I feel like a lot of people skip that step. It's a very important step, okay? It is not the degree of a person's productive ability that matters here, but the person's choice to exercise such ability as he or she possesses. Um, nor is it the kind of work selected that is important. So do whatever the fuck you want. Whatever it is, cool. That's not the important part. So, nor is it the kind of work selected that is important, provided the work is not intrinsically anti-life. You know, like, I guess, killing yourself? I don't know. But when, whether a person seeks work that offers an outlet for his or her intelligence if the opportunity to do so exists. Because, guys, it's good to be good at something, no matter what it is. And we need people to be good at all kinds of different things. We need people to be good at, at making coffee tables. We need people that are good at pouring candles. We need people that want to build computers. And we need people that want to paint nails. Like we need everybody, okay? So whatever it is, own it. Except if it's like a murderer. If we know the kind of goals people choose, we can know a good deal about their vision of themselves and about what they think is possible and appropriate to them. Ugh, efficacy and the purpose. I, I learned what the word efficacy was from this book. And if you weren't sure, the actual dictionary definition of efficacy is the ability to produce a desired result. That's a great word, y'all. Efficacy. It's fun to say because it sounds like, it feels like fuck. The purposes that move us need to be specific if they are to be realized. I cannot organize my behavior optimally if my goal is merely to do my best. So be specific. 
The assignment is too vague. My goal needs to be to exercise on the treadmill for 30 minutes four times a week to complete my parentheses precisely defined task within 10 days to communicate to my team at our next meeting exactly what the project requires to earn a specific sum of money and commissions by the end of the year with such specificity can't believe I said that word right I am able to monitor my progress compare intentions with the results modify my strategy or my tactics in response to new information and be accountable for the results I produce. Because again, living purposefully is creating goals and then doing shit to get to the goddamn goal. Otherwise, you just daydreaming, y'all. To live purposefully is to be concerned with these questions. What am I trying to achieve? How am I trying to achieve it? Why do I think these means are appropriate? Does the feedback from the environment convey that I'm succeeding or failing? Is there new information that I need to consider? And I think it's great to approach these questions with just a curiosity and not a shame. You know what I mean? Because if you're somebody who's like parents were really hard on you as a kid and you internalize that and, and so going forward you're like so hard on yourself that it's like it's shameful and it produces shame and then you don't get any work done. You just sit there staring at the wall with the to-do list and the capable hands of doing the things you got to do but you just don't do it because you're like a little numb. Too personal? I don't know. Um... But approach these questions with a curiosity, not like, oh, Christina, you're such a fucking idiot. Of course you didn't get it done. Don't don't think like that. Go, oh, I noticed I didn't get as much done today, for example, if you didn't get as much done as you wanted. Is that because my expectations were too high? Maybe I should give myself a break. Did I factor in any time to, you know, stare at the wall or look out the window today? Do you know what I'm saying? Be easier on yourself. It is easier for people to understand these ideas as applied to work than to personal relationships. That may be why more people make a success of their work life than of their marriages. Everyone knows it is not enough to say, I love my work. One must show up at the end, at, uh, at the office and do something. Otherwise, the business moves towards non-existence. In intimate relationships, however, it is easy to imagine that love is enough, that happiness will just come. And if it doesn't, this means we are wrong for each other. <sighs> yeah. People rarely ask themselves, quote, if my goal is to have a successful relationship, what must I do? What actions are needed to create and sustain trust, intimacy, continuing self-disclosure, excitement, growth? When a couple is newly married and very happy, it is useful to ask, what is your action plan to sustain these feelings? And I know it's not a question that makes you horny, but uh, it's worth asking. It really is. And again, you don't have to ask it like, like the white lady in all the Karen videos that's eight seconds away from exploding at Costco. You know what I mean? You don't have to be like, what do I want me to do to fall in love forever? You just look at your marriage and go, hey, I really like this. Are there steps that I can be thinking about in the future to sustain this bond? You know what I mean? Be a little easy on yourself. If a couple is in conflict and professes a desire for resolution, it is useful to ask, if restored harmony is your purpose, what actions are you prepared to take to bring it about? What actions do you desire from your partner? What do you see each of you doing to make things better? And that I love that. I love that he made I love that he talked about these concepts as it relates to personal relationships because that's where a lot of us get triggered. And the questions that he lays out in this book are like when I read it I'm like, "Whoa, is this like what healthy people do?" Holy shit. Is this what people like good childhoods do? Damn, that's cool. So it allows you to bypass, you know, situations where you might trigger yourself <laughs> and cry in a bathtub. Okay, self-discipline. 
To live purposefully and productively requires that we cultivate within our capacity ourselves a capacity for self-discipline. Self-discipline is the ability to organize our behavior over time in the service of specific tasks. No one can feel competent to cope with the challenges of life who is without the capacity for self-discipline. Because when shit hits the fan, y'all, you better anchor yourself and take care of yourself, okay? Self-discipline requires the ability to defer immediate gratification in the service of a remote goal. Again, self-discipline requires the ability to defer immediate gratification, it's so fucking hard, in the service of a remote goal. So if shit's hitting the fan, and if I get triggered, say, or something like that, like shit's hitting the fan, my immediate reaction is to alleviate the pain and the terror that comes on as I realize shit's going up to the fan and it's hitting it. It's pooping all over my living room because poopy was being thrown at the fan and it hit it and now it's, my living room's covered in poop. But instead of immediately going, ah, because I want to end the scared feeling, I got to take a step back and not think of immediate gratification and think to myself, how can I clean this poopy up and then prevent the poop from ever hitting the fan like this again? What steps can I take? What is in my control? And know what's out of your control too. Because if you're trying to do things that are out of your control, you're going to jump off a bridge. I don't want you to do that. This is the ability to project consequences into the future. It's so hard. To think, plan, and live long range. Oh my God, it's so hard. Neither an individual nor a business can function effectively, let alone flourish in the absence of this practice. And that's why I like quarantine. Because quarantine's forcing all of us to take a big old time out, y'all. And we have to sit with ourselves. And I'm actually doing things with a bunch of people and with myself, like business-wise, that I'm planning to go get popping in the spring of 2021. I never plan in advance like that. I'm just like, I have my dreams and I think about them every night and I wish upon a star and I'm a good person and I try to do little things throughout my day to achieve my goals. But I never have these goals. It's either like, I want to win an Oscar. Okay, cool. But like, be more specific. So I'm actually planning things that you guys are going to be very excited about for spring of 2021. And I'm like, well, shit, this is new and fun. Like all virtues or practices that support self-esteem, self-discipline is a survival virtue, meaning that for human beings, it is a requirement of the successful life process. One of the challenges of effective parenthood or effective teaching is to communicate a respect for the present that does not disregard the future and a respect for the future that does not disregard the present. <sighs> That's good. To master this balance is a challenge to all of us, even Nathaniel Brandon, y'all. It is essential if we are to enjoy the sense of being in control of our existence. Oh, God, I love being in control. Perhaps I should mention that a purposeful, self-disciplined life does not mean a life without time or space for rest, relaxation, recreation, random or even frivolous activity. Because let me tell you something, you have to have fun in your life, okay? Can't be too much fun because then you're just doing cocaine on a Wednesday morning, okay? But you need to make sure, that's why I was so excited for this beach weekend with my girlfriends because I'm like, I am scheduling out time to just have fun and be a fun girl and recall college stories with my two close girlfriends who I love and are proud of and I'm so proud to know them. And we're gonna be in the woods I'm going to smoke a blunt in the and then go do a dance class and then laugh at a deer. But I knew, you know, I set that aside and I did not check my email once during that. And I gave myself permission to not check it. 
what living purposefully entails. Taking, okay, here's the things that living purposefully entails. Taking responsibility for formulating one's goals and purposes consciously. What do I want for myself in five, 10, 20 years? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna phrase this to you, the listener. So you can ponder, maybe a thought will come up. But don't stop listening to my podcast and write and review it. What do you want for yourself in 5, 10, 20 years? You listening to me right now. What do you want for yourself in 5 years, 10 years, 20 years? What do you want for yourself? What do you want your life to add up to? What do you want to accomplish professionally? What do you want in the area of personal relationships? What kind of relationship do you want to have? If you're in one or not in one, what's your ideal relationship? What are your values? What do you value in a partner? Guys, take some time and think about this shit. What do you want in the area? Oh, I read that one. If you wish to marry, why? What is your purpose? These are just some questions. I hope I didn't send anybody into an anxiety attack. And if I did, maybe you got to feel your feelings, boo-boo. You got to feel it. Uh, Another thing that living purposefully entails, being concerned to identify the actions necessary to achieve one's goals. I like the way that's worded. Being concerned to identify what you need to do to get shit done, basically. That's my beautiful paraphrasing. I like that because the way I think of achieving my goals is way too much pressure. And I over, I, I overestimate what I'm capable of all the time. And every time, if, if, uh, if I'm about to go into a conversation about a various project with a person, because I'm collaborating with a lot of people on stuff right now, very excited. I'll go in before the conversation. I'll be like, Christina, do not tell them that you will send them a draft by the end of the day of what you talked about because you know you won't get that done. And then, God damn it, if at the end of that conversation I don't say, I'll send you a draft tonight probably. (laughs) So I, I take a more stressful approach, a stressful approach to it. So to you, I say, be concerned about identifying the steps necessary to achieve a goal. How do I get from here, from there? uh, How do I get there from here? What actions are necessary? If new resources are needed, how will I require them? These are just some examples. Do we take responsibility for thinking these steps out? Success in life belongs to those who do. God damn, Nathaniel. And that's not just career. That's not just making money. That's not, if if your goal is to raise three kids and be a stay-at-home mom while your husband, whatever the fuck, does whatever, whatever you want him to do. I mean, you know. You have an idea in your head of how your life you want your life to be. But if that's your goal, what do you need to do? Step one, get a husband. Well, that's a vague one. So step one, set up a dating app profile and don't have any photos of you with fishes in them or with sunglasses on or you with your hotter friend. You know what I mean? You got to be concerned with, okay, what do I have to do to get what I want? And it doesn't have to be a stressful process. Just be curious about it. Some other things that living consciously entails. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Monitoring behavior to check that it is in alignment with one's goals. We can already, we can have clearly defined purposes and a reasonable action plan, but drift off course by distractions. The emergence of anti, uh, of unanticipated problems and the pull of other values, an unconscious reordering of priorities, because sometimes that happens. You get less excited about something in one day and you just assume, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. No, 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 get off, get back on track. Lack of adequate mental focus or resistance to doing what one has committed oneself to do. Sometimes we all need to rethink what our most important goals actually are and perhaps reformulate our purposes. Like today, y'all, I came back from the Hamptons and I said, how do I want my evening to go? What would I feel good about accomplishing this evening? 
and, and I want to make sure I'm not putting too much pressure on myself. Do I have the energy? Do I have the creative energy to record this podcast? To which I said, fuck yeah. Other things that living consciously entails, purposefully. Paying attention to the uh, outcomes of one's actions to know whether they are headed where one wants to go. Because again, you got to figure out if the thing's doing what you want it to do. I have a cork board up in my loft where I put all my goals. And it's just one goal on each piece on each note card and I don't put the actual steps I just put the word so it'll get my wheels spinning y'all and I look at it every time I go up and read your letters our goals may be clear and our actions congruent but our initial calculations about the right steps to take may prove incorrect because you you don't know until you try but sometimes when you try it don't work so we need to keep asking are my are my strategy and tactics working am I getting where I want to go are my actions producing the results I anticipated Okay, now I'm going to read stuff from this section called Thinking Clearly About Purposeful Living. As an example of the confusions that can surround the issue of living purposefully, consider the extraordinary statement made by psychiatrist Irvin D. Yalom in his Existential Psychotherapy. I guess that's a book. He writes, quote, The belief that life is incomplete without goal fulfillment is not so much a tragic existential fact of life as it is a Western myth, a cultural anti-fact i read that and i was like "Mm, i'm not sure i know what that means tell me more explain it in in dumber terms please is there if if there is anything we know it is that life is impossible without goal fulfillment impossible on every level of evolution from the amoeba to the human being it is neither a tragic existential fact nor a western myth but rather the simple nature of life and often exhilarating So making goals and working to achieve them is part of living a full life, guys. That's what that means. It's not, you know, people are like, man, Americans, they work five days a week and then other countries that work two days a week. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, what we're talking about is setting your goals and dreams and taking tally of them and interrogating why you want the goals and then taking the steps to do the things and then checking in to see if your steps is right. Thank you. You're welcome for that beautiful summary. As a life orientation, the alternative to goal fulfillment is passivity and aimlessness. It is a tragedy that such a state does not yield a joy equal to the joys of achievement. Oh, that was a question. Is it a tragedy that such a state does not yield a joy equal to the joys of achievement? Incidentally, let us remember that goal fulfillment is not confined to worldly goals. That's a very important fact. A life of study or meditation has its own kind of purposefulness or it can or or it can have but a life without purpose can hardly be said to be human so when he says life with purpose it doesn't mean make a million dollars and have hot kids okay whatever you want to do have respect for that whatever it is do you want to have an auto parts store do you want to make cakes just for gay couples whatever you want to do just as long as it doesn't isn't it mean (laughs) that's my rules um, two, to observe the, the, that the practice of living purposefully is essential to fully realize self-esteem should not be understood to mean that we measure an individual's worth is uh, a measure of individual's worth is his or her external achievements. So it's not about all the fucking trophies, y'all. We admire achievements in others and in ourselves, and it is natural and appropriate for us to do so. But this is not the same thing as saying that our achievements are the measure or grounds of our self-esteem. The root of our self-esteem is not our achievements, 
but those internally generated practices, like these fucking pillars, that, among other things, make it possible for us to achieve all the self-esteem virtues we are discussing here, okay? So it's not the actual trophy, first place trophy you got. You should not base your self-esteem on awards. That's me talking to myself. I fucking love awards. Steel industrialist Andrew Carnegie once stated, quote, you can take away our factories, take away our trade, our avenues of transportation and our money, leave us with nothing but our organization. And in four years, we could reestablish ourselves. Well, shit, that's a poignant fact about culture and its company. His point was that power lies in the source of wealth, not in the wealth itself, in the cause, not the effect. Okay, so in the process of getting self-esteem is what builds self-esteem. It's not the end goals of these processes. Okay, processes, whatever. I majored in acting. Give me a break. The same principle applies to the relationship between self-esteem and external achievements. It's your practice that counts, motherfuckers. Number three, productive achievement may be an expression of high self-esteem, but it is not its primary cause. A person who is brilliantly talented and successful at work, but irrational and irresponsible in his or her private life may want to believe that the sole criterion of virtue is productive performance and that no other sphere of action has moral or self-esteem significance. Such a person may hide behind work in order to evade feelings of shame and guilt stemming from other areas of life or from painful childhood experiences. All right, I get it, Nathaniel. God. So that productive work becomes not so much a healthy passion as an avoidance for stra- uh, avoidance strategy, a refuge from the realities one feels frightened to face. Like I said, I'll say it again and I'll say it 80,000 more times. When feelings come up, you have to deal with them. Feelings are not facts, but they are clues. If self-esteem is tied primarily to accomplishments, success, income, or being a good family provider, the danger, and this is a big danger, is that economic circumstances beyond one's individual control may lead to the failure of the business or the loss of a job, flinging him into depression or acute demoralization. When a large airplane company closed a plant in one town, the suicide hotlines went crazy. Um, this primarily, this problem is primarily one for males who have been socialized to identify worth and masculinity with being a family provider. Women are less prone to identify personal worth, let alone femininity, with earning ability. Well, I think society just pretty much told us to go fuck ourselves, but whatever, Nathaniel, this isn't a book about feminism. Some years ago, lecturing on the subjects in Detroit with members of the automotive industry in the audience, I made the following observation. Right now, Washington is trying to decide whether to bail out Chrysler by guaranteeing a large loan. Never mind for the moment whether you think that it's an appropriate government function. I don't think it is, but that's irrelevant. The point is, if you work for Chrysler and tie your self-esteem to being a high achiever in that company or to, earn, or, or to earning a good income this year, then what that means practically is that you are willing for some persons in Washington literally... Oh, wait, wait, what did I say? I skipped a line. Um, the point is, if you work for Chrysler and tie your self-esteem to being a high achiever in that company or to earning a good income this year, then what that means practically is that you are willing for some persons in Washington literally to hold your soul in their hands, to have total control over yourself, your sense of worth. Does that idea offend you? I hope so. It offends me. Oh, goddamn. Yeah, very Brary, this is a very prevalent thing to be reading right now because we're in the midst of a pandemic. 
So if you had a small business that was fucking kicking ass and all of a sudden this pandemic happened and you can't secure a loan because the government's like, no, we'll give it to you. And then you applied and then the government's like, well, not you. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And your company that you dreamed about goes under. If your self-esteem is tied solely to that brand new company working and maintaining, then the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak virus, whatever the fuck we're fucking calling it, is going to fuck you up royally. But instead of taking that as a deterrent, just really consider where your self-esteem is tied to. Is it tied to the end goals, the achievements, or is it a tied to the process? And tied to the process, basically. Oh, I'm going over an hour, y'all. Whatever, I make my own rules. I want to read more things. I want to read more things. Um, some more. Okay. Uh, some personal examples. Okay. So I'm going to just, I'm going to read a couple more things and then we're going to get out of here. Okay. I'll let you go. Okay. You do any spreadsheets? Just give me a fucking second. Here's here. These are examples that he talked about and they are just people. Um, and, uh, you know, the art of living purposefully, how it applies. So here's two examples that I related to. Mary was an executive in an advertising agency. Her primary responsibilities were in marketing, developing new accounts. But she was a compassionate person, and she greatly enjoyed being helpful to those around her. She encouraged associates to drop into her office and talk about their problems. Not only office problems, but also personal ones. Mm, sounds like me. She enjoyed jokes to the effect that she was the, quote, office shrink. She did not notice that a large amount of her time was drained in activities for which she had not been hired to do. She became agitated when her performance appraisal reflected dissatisfaction with her work. Because again, she was hired in the company to develop new accounts, not to be people's goddamn shrink. But she felt good about that. And so she was like, I'm going to keep doing this. God, this is, this is a very personal example. Yet she found it difficult to change her pattern. The ego gratification of helping others had become addictive. Damn it. Consequently, there was a poor match between her conscious work goals and her behavior, between her professional purposes and the allocation of her time. A goal she had not chosen consciously took precedence over the one she had chosen consciously, so the job she was hired to do. Since she did not practice the discipline of monitoring her actions for just such a possibility, the full reality of her lapse did not penetrate her awareness until she was fired. Wah, wah. And that's how, you know, Mary could be caught off guard because she could be feeling real good about how she's helping Dale with his wife problems or whatever the fuck. And maybe they're real problems and maybe they had a real good heart to heart, her and Dale. And they both left that conversation feeling great. And Dale felt empowered and asked for what he wanted in the relationship or whatever. He asked to if she could put a finger up his booty or whatever. But that wasn't what Mary was hired to do. She was hired to create new accounts. So she could get this sense of self-esteem and not she's, if she's not checking, hey, what are my goals? What do I do, need to do to achieve my goals? And then you got to do the thing where you check in and go, am I achieving my goals? Because if she would have done that part, she would have noticed, ideally, that she was spending all this time being the quote office shrink going, LOL, oh, Dale, just ask her to put a finger up your ass or whatever. And then all of a sudden she gets fired and she's like, wait, what the fuck? Well, Mary didn't fucking take a tally on whether or not she was achieving her goals, okay? Okay, that's the, that's, and then I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna read a personal example. I love this. I love when he gets personal. Okay, when I think of what living purposely means in my life, I think first of taking responsibility for generating the actions necessary to achieve my goals. Living purposefully overlaps significantly with self-responsibility. 
I think of a time when I wanted something I could not afford that represented a significant improvement in my way of living, like shopping and anthropology in the non-sale section. A fairly large expenditure of money was involved. For several years, I remained uncharacteristically passive about finding a solution. Then one day, I had a thought that certainly was not, a new, that was not new to me and yet somehow had fresh impact. If I don't do something, nothing is going to change. This jolted me out of my procrastination, of which I had been dimly aware of for a long time but had no, not confronted. I liked hearing that from him because I'm like, Even, we all procrastinate, y'all. I proceeded to conceive and implement a project that was stimulating, challenging, profoundly satisfying, and worthwhile, and that produced the additional income I needed. In principle, I could have done it several years, years earlier, only when I had become bored and irritated with my own procrastination, only when I decided, quote, I commit myself to finding a solution over the next few weeks, only when I applied what I know about living purposefully to my own situation. Only then did I launch myself into action and towards a solution. When I did, I noticed that not only was I happier, but also that my self-esteem rose. When I told this story in one of my self-esteem groups, I was challenged by someone who said, that's okay for you, but not everyone is in a position to develop new projects. What are we to do? I invited him to talk about this, his own procrastination and about the unfulfilled desire involved. If you made it your conscious purpose to achieve that desire, I asked, what might you do? After a bit of good-natured prompting, he began to tell me. Here is another personal example that involves self-discipline. My wife, Devers, I don't know, is that, is that how you know, pronounce it? D-E-V-E-R? Devers? Devers? Sounds like a nickname you give to a kid, but whatever. My wife, Devers, is exceptional in the degree of her benevolence, generosity, and kindness to other human beings, and above all, to me. Her consciousness and consistency is in this aspect of life is very high. While my intentions have genuinely been good, I have never had her discipline in this area. My generosity has been more impulsive. This means that at times I could be unkind and uncompassionate without intention and without even realizing it, simply from preoccupation. One day, Devers <laughs> said something that impressed me profoundly. Quote, you are very kind, generous, and caring when you stop long enough in what you are doing for it to, to occur to you. What you have never learned is the discipline of kindness. This means kindness that is not a matter of mood or convenience. It means kindness as a basic way of functioning. It is in you as a potential, but it doesn't happen without consciousness and discipline, which perhaps you've never thought about, end quote. <sighs> we had versions of this discussion once more. An important step of my growth was when I integrated those discussions to the principle of living purposefully. So that kindness became not merely an inclination, but a conscious goal. For self-esteem, consistent kindness by intention is a very difficult experience from kindness by impulse. I fucking love that example. Because something as simple as being kind to other people is not just something you hope and wish for on a shooting star. Because I, I am very guilty of this. I'm kind when it's convenient to me. And it just so happens that a lot of times it is convenient for me. But sometimes I'm in a rush or, or like he said, I'm preoccupied with something. And so I don't take a second to wrangle myself in and speak kindly to another person. You know, I mean, I'm not a bitch. I'm sure I am sometimes. But I'm saying instead of like, yeah, what's up? You know, instead of if somebody comes up to me like, hey, Christina, could you? I'm like, what? What do you want? If I'm preoccupied trying to respond to an email on my phone and somebody asks me something, 
I respond to them as if they're annoying me. And I don't want to do that. And so if one of my goals is to be kind, you actually have to consciously work to achieve the goal of being kind. You can't just wish it, y'all. You can't just throw a penny in a fucking fountain. I wish you could, but you can't. So I hope I hope this uh, fifth pillar of self-esteem, the practice of living purposefully, I hope this has purposefully or con- Yeah, purposefully. I think I said consciously a bunch of times. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Words, right? What do they mean? They mean a lot. They have specific definitions. Um, yeah, the fifth pillar of self-esteem, the practice of living purposefully. Again, just a reminder, or apply, apply this to your career. Apply this to the type of relationship you want to have with your children. Apply this to the kind, if you want to have a family one day. And it's okay to not know this stuff. But I challenge you to take a second by yourself. No other people in the room. God, I love living alone. Go sit by the bay on a bench or whatever by yourself. And just think to yourself, like, what do I want out of life? How do I want to feel? What do I, you know, what do I, what do I want my life to be like when I'm 50? And obviously that might change over time. Because shit happens that's out of your control. Like COVID. Or those two fucking hurricanes hit in Louisiana. Or this fucking forest fires. Although, one might say, global warming has contributed. But that's another conversation for another day. So, yeah. Consider that. Okay, so that's the fifth pillar of self-esteem. And these are the two questions that I wanted to post to you guys. Because um, I didn't want to do it at the top of the episode. Because then you'd stop listening to it. Is there anybody in New York City that has a private rooftop that I could have a comedy show on? That's the question number one. I got I, I threw out there last week or the week before anybody a dog psychic and I did get a recommendation for a dog psychic. So you never know. Anything is possible. <laughs> That's my motto. Is anybody living in New York City or know somebody who, who you're close with? Not like oh, I knew this guy once and maybe I can ask him. I don't want to. I don't feel comfortable with that. Either you own a rooftop like a like a whatever. I don't know. I want to have a rooftop show in New York. And I want it to be a safe show, and so it has to be outside. But I also don't want cars going by and Uber drivers, like, slowing down and then trying to, you know, say a joke in the middle of my routine. So that's one of the questions. The other one is, I'm looking, this is the person I'm looking to hire, a costume designer. I'm doing an Alice in Wonderland photo shoot um, in my apartment, in, a, in my loft. And I have this huge vision for it, and this amazing photographer and I hung out, and we talked about it, and I'm very excited but I, I, I know what I want. I know what I have in mind, which usually for something like this, like with art direction, I'm like, I don't fucking know. What do you think? But I actually have a specific vision of Alice in Wonderland. And it's specific to me. So I'm looking for a costume designer. And I don't know if that's something that could be done remotely. I have one of those floppy measurement things that I could take my measurements. Maybe we could Skype or something. But this is for hire. This is not like, <laughs> this is not to donate your time and energy. You're an artist. I have money. I want to hire you and I want to pay you. Um, so if any of those two things are things that you have something to say on or are interested in providing or, you know, whatever, email me at the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com. I'm also going to put the email in the description of this week's podcast episode description, whatever redundant guys. I hope y'all are okay. I'm hanging in there and we're going to be okay. All right. Something you could do today is take a step back. Look out the window. Look at a butterfly. Stare at a bird. Look at the breeze blowing through the cheese. Trees. The cheese. Yeah, the cheese. Look at a piece of cheese and go, I love cheese. And then eat it and then fart in public. I dare you. It's so funny. Farts are so funny. I love you. Congrats on surviving another week. This is Christina Hutchinson signing out. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. How the hell do we wind up like this? Why weren't we able to see the signs that we made?
Thank you.